church said amen. 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 If you can, be seated. Praise the Lord. Jesus is calling on the main line. Don't give me stuff. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you guys hear me say this a lot, but this is just me. You guys know I am. I believe on the altar. I believe the altar. I, I know we call it a stage and a platform, but I believe that this is an altar. And at the altar is where people lay their burdens down. I'm not telling you to do what I did, but sometimes... I remember being, when I first got saved, and I just knew that I needed help. I was saved. God touched me, changed my life. I was saved. My soul was saved. I mean, my spirit was saved. It was my soul that was messed up. <laughs> Somebody should be saying amen, because right now I'm a work in progress, even to this day. But I remember laying at the altar. Because I knew there was just stuff in me I couldn't get out. Now, now, mind you, yes, God can touch you, and, and you can be set free and delivered from all kinds of stuff just by the touch. But some things you're going to have to walk through. Amen. So as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I, and I say this all the time, I'm like, look, sometimes you just need to stay at the altar. Even if I'm preaching, even if they're cleaning or whatever, just stay at the altar. And I remember as a young saint, I remember just going, man, I was just a mess. And I came and I laid at the altar, and I was prostrate face down if you guys know what that means i laid you know when a cop tells you lay down face down put your hand that's how i was at the altar and i i knew i needed something from god and he gave me the strength and i found that strength at the altar this is not my message but I'm trying to tell you something, saints. We've gotten to this point of, well, I don't need the altar. I can meet God in my house. I can meet God over on the street. Yes, that's true. But he has de designated a place where the sacrifices are made. When I came to the altar with my wife, there was a sacrifice. It was me giving my life for her life. There was a sacrifice. Something had to die at the altar. Never let the fires of the altar go out. We are in this day and age nowadays that we, we, we want God to come meet us. He already came. The next time he's coming, you guys. But right now, we're, we're in a culture right now where we're sitting still and expecting God to come where we're at. He's already came here where we're at. And now we're like, God, come and give me. I, this is what I want. If you're God, do you know what? Come to the altar and lay yourself. I think Paul said it. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Y'all oh, must read your Bibles. Praise the Lord. Wasn't my message. But God is good. Our desire, and this is God's desire, is to see you set free. To have a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ, with God and man, 
and for you to walk in the fullness, the fullness that he's set, he's set for you. And it happens here at the altar. Okay. So today, this is our third and final week of our series titled Thirsty. We discovered that there was three main reasons for people to become thirsty. First thing, we, we, uh, we get thirsty when we feel longed to be loved. We learned that uh, the real reason why people can't experience love is because they don't know love. The woman at the well had been married five times. I know some of y'all turn around and look, you know, somebody here knows that it, they know somebody's been married five times. She was on her sixth relationship. I don't think the problem was that there wasn't any good men in Samaria. Sound familiar, ladies? Men, same thing. Okay, there ain't no real good men in church. No, no, that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't the men in Samaria. The problem was her. She was thirsty. When your relationship with God is broken, your relationship with yourself and others are, is affected. You can't love others unless you love yourself. And you can't truly love yourself until you know and love God. Second, we also seen, was, uh, last week we seen, we thirst when we long to experience happiness. The Bible describes happiness as being content. We learn that thirst happens when we end up drinking from the wrong wells. There's the well of people-pleasing, thinking bad about ourselves, giving up on our dreams, giving or actually living in the past. Another one is comparison. If you want to be content, y'all, you have to change your content. You hear me? I want to be happy. I just want to be happy, Pastor. Well, what do you, oh, see, I'm, I'm about to go down this rabbit hole. Y'all, John R. Butcher, the R stands for? I'm about to be random. What content are you allowing into your lives? Some of you guys are looking at all social media and you're looking at people's content and you're jealous of their content, so you want to have content. So when you don't have the right content, then you can't be content, unhappy because of what's in you. You have to pour out what's in you and allow the spirit of God who is living water to fill you up again. So this brings to our, uh, us this week. This is titled Thirsty for Significance. Remember, obey your thirst. Let's read John 7, 37 and 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him, that's, that's, those believing in him, would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet 
glorified. Now, as we see, and we talked about this already in Genesis, as in the beginning, God likes to use himself and describe himself as water. In Genesis chapter 1 and 9, we saw that water covered the face of the earth, and the earth then, uh, then God caused dry land to come out of the water. But God was showing us a prophetic picture of his omnipresence. God is everywhere. There is nowhere that you can go that you can't find water. Water's everywhere. Even if you're in the desert, there's water in the desert. Trust me, I've been in the desert. The problem is it's a little scarce, but if you find it, if you look for it, if you seek for it, you'll find it. Mm. So to this day, everywhere we go, there's water somewhere. But unfortunately, we can't drink most of the water that we see. For instance, if you go out of your backyard, if you have a swimming pool, if you're thirsty, you don't drink that water. Right? We talked about my wife and I used to watch uh, Naked and Afraid. And those people are out there and they're hungry. They didn't have a problem finding something to eat. What they had was a problem to find water. Because all of a sudden, they get dry, real dry. They get dry. Watch this. Watch this. And they see water. They're actually, usually most of the time, they're on an island and there's a river. They can't drink the water. And they see stagnant water and they can't drink it. But they get so thirsty, they'll drink it anyway. Here, uh, see, you guys get. And when we drink from that water, we get sick. And then sometimes what people don't realize how sick you can get from drinking stagnant water. Do you, do you know that you get stomach cramps? All you know, you know what's happening. You you ball over. You can't move. It, it, sometimes you start to hallucinate because you're drinking stagnant water and you're seeing things that you really don't see. And this is what happens to a lot of Christians because they're drinking stagnant water from people you don't even know. I, I, I don't know these guys online. I, I've never met their hands. I've never seen their character. But we're sitting there and thinking that they're giving us the holy water and we're drinking from a well that wasn't meant for you to drink from. And because you drink of that water, all of a sudden you begin to hallucinate. And what you think is in the word ain't in the word. Now to our topic, thirsty for significance. Do you guys know what significance means? I'm going to tell you. Thank you for asking. The quality of being worthy of attention or importance. And you guys know the synonym to that or the antonym for that is insignificant. It means too small or unimportant to be worth consideration. And one of the most important things for any human being out there, including you, is to feel significant. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah. This need is so important that most of us will do anything to place ourselves in a position where we feel important. Okay, just want to let you guys know right now, if you, if you need to, put your feet up underneath the chairs because I'm about to step on some toes. Right, don't, I can get off the, Okay. Usually, it's because we get our importance and significance from what we do and not who we are. Let me help you out. So I remember 
when I had my first stroke. First stroke. Couldn't talk. Then the second stroke. I couldn't see. got blind. But even though my speech came back and my sight came back, I still wasn't able to do certain things cognitively. So I wanted to help my kids. And, and I used to be really good at math, real good at math. And my son would come up to me and he'd be like, Dad, can you help me? I wasn't able to do his homework. I couldn't do it. Or my daughter would ask me something and I, I just didn't know the answer. And all of a sudden, you know, trying to talk to my wife as a leader, as a man of my house. I wasn't able to do the things that I'm supposed to do. So my wife had to take on those roles for a moment. Watch me what I'm saying. And then all of a sudden, I started going back. I started losing my, my um, self-dignity. Come on, you guys. And then end up, watch, watch what ended up happening. I started sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I would get angry with people. Because I didn't know who I was anymore. Because I'm supposed to be the pastor. I'm supposed to make decisions. I'm supposed to be the husband. I'm supposed to make decisions. I'm supposed to be the father. I'm supposed to make decisions and, and, and protect my family. And then all of a sudden, I find myself not holding anything. And I said, Lord, why did you strip me? Why did you take everything from it's like, no, I'm no longer a pastor, even though I, I, I got the title, I'm still there, but I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing to be a pastor. I'm not being a husband to my wife. I'm not being a father to my children. I'm not being considered in the, in the community anymore because I can't speak. I can't talk well. I said, Lord, why? The Lord told me straight up in my tears. He said, who gave you? those titles he said who gave you those titles I said Lord I was ordained in your church he said I didn't give you that title I said no Lord but I'm a father because I have children he goes there's a lot of guys out there that got children but they're not fathers I didn't give you that title I said Lord what is it then he said I'm only giving you one title and that's a title of being called a child of God. That's the only thing that can't be stripped from me. You could take my title as a pastor. You could take my title as a father or a husband or anything else. But guess what? I need to be content with being a child of God. Because all those titles can leave at any moment. The moment of a stroke, all that can leave. If you, are, if you are in a wheelchair, if you can't walk, if you can't move, guess what? You're still a child of God. But let's look at two examples where we try to find significance or why we thirst for significance in other places. Not in your titles, but we're going to find significance. Number one, the first place that we try to find significance is in the world. And that's a secular thirst. Let me say it again. A secular thirst for prominence. People look for uh, significance in the smallest details and do everything within their power to feel significant. 
We all need to feel significant, and this need is something that controls and governs many of our lives. Think about it. People around you, including yourselves, and what people do to feel important. The list is never ending. It goes on and on and on. People will collect things. People will, will do certain activities. They'll get tattoos to feel significant. I'm going to put something on my face. Because it makes them feel important. It makes you feel a part of people or a certain group or certain colleges that somebody wants to go. I want to be, I want to go to Harvard. Most people that I talk to that go to Harvard or been to Harvard, it was all about, I'm from Harvard. Because it, it had nothing to do with the education. It just happened to do because I'm that part of the elite. So when you see me, I've been to Harvard. There's prominence in my title of going to Harvard or Howard. People will criticize other people and tear them down to make themselves feel significant. Let's talk about in church. Oh, okay, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. We always try to find significance in things. It's like adding stuff to us to make us look good. Here's one thing that people always do with their work. Watch this. Why do we change titles and descriptions of our jobs to make them sound like they're more than they are? You, come on, y'all. And it don't, it don't have nothing to do with the money. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Hey, man, so what do you do? Oh, yeah, um, I'm an environmental services professional. Oh, you a janitor. Well, yes, um, I am a sanitation engineer for the county of Solano. You a garbage man. Right? Watch this one. Yes, um, I'm a customer relations, relations expert for the communication firm that I work for. You, you work at Xfinity. You work at Comcast. You the person at the front. I walk in and be like, hi. They're like, what's your name? Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Why do we do that? To make us feel good about what we're doing. Listen, all jobs are honorable. All of them. Here goes, here, I'm going down a rabbit hole again. Fine. Listen, young people, even old people, you're looking for a spouse? Stop looking for somebody that's like, well, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be with that person because they need at least six figures. I need them working here and there. Look, they got quiet. I'm just trying to tell you, if you find, first, I'm going to talk to women first. Women, if you find a man of God that's faithful to the house of God, with, watch me, watch me, faithful to their pastor and their, 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 and their Lord, and he wants to work, he wants, he's like, so, you, oh, so where do you work at? You, you know, I work over at Chick-fil-A. First of all, if he says Chick-fil-A, you, you in. Have you seen the salaries at Chick-fil-A? You in. But anyway, I mean, if you find a man that's willing to work and stays faithful, not only at his church, but at his job, and he, and he wants to love you, 
you better, you better hold on to that one. Men, the same thing. I, I'm, 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 I know you, I'm going to get in trouble with this. Um, you, guys can, you guys know my email and all that stuff, but just, I'm just, I'm just going to go there. Yes, I really believe that women should go out and work and get education and do all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, if a woman looks at you and says, you know what, I just want to serve my husband and take care of my babies. Husbands, you better say yes. That's what I need. None of y'all clapped. None of y'all. I see you, Burgundy. Pointing you out. I'm saying. Look, you don't have to put the extra sauce on your ribs, okay? You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about, sauce. You put, don't put too much sauce on something. You don't need to do that. Just drink the water. Don't put any Kool-Aid in it. This can go a long way. Because water should be pure. And when I'm drinking from the water, from the well that never runs dry, don't try to put some sweetener in it. I wish you just caught that. Maybe you didn't. Maybe I'm tripping. But we always want to put sugar in the water so we can taste it a little bit better. <sighs> don't put nothing in it. This is what James said about when you're doing too much. James 4 and 10. It says this in the Amplified. Humble yourselves. Feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your lives significant. You don't have to put sauce on your ribs. You don't have to put Kool-Aid in your water. Let the Lord make you feel significant. Another place, the second and most unthinkable place where we search for prominence is in church. There's a huge problem in church because there appears to be more intention on the face ministries and we deem the other ministries less important. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to help some of you guys that have been out in church, that haven't been in church, or maybe been in church way too long. Okay? Why do you give more importance and honor to the pastor than you do to the greeters? And I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to blow his, this horn, but do you know um, Brother Hannes, that came up and gave his word, he did that by faith. He ain't got no title. He ain't got nothing else, but he's Brother Hannes. And this is the first time I've seen him do what he did today. To encourage. I'm not any better than anybody else in here. I don't deserve more honor than you. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? But what we do in church is we want to try to get to a position so that we can get honor from people because we think that that position deserves greater honor. Let me help you guys out. 
people, this is, what, this is what people usually do. You look at the face of a male or a female, and you look, and you go, man, they, they look really pretty. Uh-huh. Right? Then yep. you look them on the outside, and they're like, yes. But what if you took somebody's face away? Right. Would you deem them pretty? Don't lie in church. <laughs> help me. Help me out. Would you, you would look at somebody if their face was gone and you're like, ah, I wouldn't even consider them. But watch this. You know that person can live without a face? Do you guys realize there are people right now that don't have faces? But watch this. You can have a beautiful face, a beautiful body, but what if your kidneys fail? You can't see the kidneys. You can't see your liver. You can't see your heart. Watch what I'm telling you. We, we put more honor and time on our face than we do with our heart. So when the body of Christ, just because the, the, the ministries that are being seen, people give it more honor here. But what we should do is give more honor here. Trust me, I had a heart transplant. I'm not worried about what my face looks like. I'm worried about the thing that's keeping me going. The ministry of helps. The cleaning ministry. Come on. You don't know what they're doing. You just come here and enjoy a, a tidy church. But I can tell you, when I, five days out of the week, they are here taking care of God's house. But we want to, no, nobody, you know why we have problems? With the children department, because nobody they're not seen. Per- personally, I like a clean bathroom. Can I get the lady say amen? Yes. The cleaning ministry cleans, and I love the fact that it's clean, but what we end up doing is nobody wants to be part of the cleaning ministry. Why? Because they're looking for significance. They want to look for the point, the point to be up here up front. Thirsty. We have a carnal thirst for prominence in the church. 1 Corinthians 12 and 23 says this. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks. What does that mean? Well, maybe you need to honor your heart more than you honor your face. I didn't didn't get too many amens. Look, every ministry that we have here is important. We cannot make it without every ministry. So I'm just telling you right now, And this isn't even in my notes, because right now I got the mic. If you are sitting here on a gift, it's a sin. How many people are Christians? Who here is a Christian? Being a Christian means what? To follow Christ, not Christ-like, to follow him. To follow him means to be Christ-like. Jesus was a servant of all. Well, if you ain't serving, then you ain't like Jesus, and you ain't saved. Right. 
If you want to argue about it, you got my number. We could do it over coffee. But when we feel as if we are insignificant, we begin to thirst for things to enhance our role. It's like putting a pinky ring on your finger. It looks good, right? Well, I don't have one, but it looks good. Let's say you got a big diamond, like about five carats, Kaya, five. And I'm walking here, and as I'm preaching, I, I'm preaching. It looks good to some of y'all, and some of y'all are like, oh, that sounds good. I'd love to have a pinky ring. And when people see this pinky ring and they, they automatically see, guess what they assume? They assume prominence because I got a big pinky ring. And then the pinky ring, then I'll turn around and say, yes, I am the honorable bishop, prelate. What do you guys do? You give me honor. We do it in church. Don't get me wrong. I believe in titles. I believe honoring people. But at the same time, if you guys notice, if I met some people in here today, when I introduce myself, I don't introduce myself as Pastor John. I, I introduce myself as John. Because later on in the relationship, I'll be who you want me to be. I can be your friend, John. I can be your partner, John. I can be your brother, John. But if you need me as pastor, then I'll be Pastor John. And it's not about my prominence. It's about what you need from me. Let me help you all with something. The pinky ring, the pinky ring didn't add nothing to my health. It didn't add years to my life. And it didn't make me more effective in my role. It just looked good. All it did is bring attention to myself. It made me thirst. So I got the diamond in the thick. Even though I like thick chains. Stop it, Jackie, stop. How do we add on that spiritual pinky wing ring? This is what we do by, by seeking spiritual gifts more than seeking after God. A lot of us here are doing it. How many of us here are, we get, we get here and you want the Holy Ghost, and when you want the Holy Ghost, the reason for you to get the Holy Ghost is because you want the gift. You want the gift that comes with the gifts. Right? That, I'm, okay, good. I'm glad you guys in here. What are you talking to, Pastor John? Well, we're going we're gonna to do, we're going to, you guys, Pentecostalism class is going to happen again. We'll tell you, so you guys come in. So you understand what Pentecost is and what happened during that time and everything else. That's, that's just a side note. But I'm just letting you guys know something. Some of you guys sit here are looking for spiritual gifts so you feel prominent. I have the gift of speaking in tongues. I have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of this, a gift of that. I can also dance in the Lord. But let me help you guys out. 1 Corinthians says this in 1 Corinthians 14 to 1. It says, desire spiritual gifts. Huh? 1 Corinthians 12 and 31, it says this, desire the best gifts. 
It says desire those gifts, not to seek them. Big difference. There's nothing wrong with desiring. But we are a Matthew 6 and 33 church. We like to seek. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness, and all these things shall be added. If you're seeking for the Lord, you don't have to thirst about prominence. Just seek for the Lord. You don't need the gifts. He's already given you the gifts. You just need to start serving and seeing it come out of you. Some of you guys don't know that you're able to bench 250 pounds until you get up underneath the bar. That's for some of my people that work out. When we seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, when we seek, we run to the well that never runs dry. When we run to the well that those who drink from will never thirst again, guess what? We'll find significance. They will never thirst for happiness. They'll never thirst to be content. And they'll never thirst for love if they run to the well that never runs dry. As I close... Don't look for power and prestige and influence. Be a servant of others. Because the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve and give his life. Christ gave his life. Are you giving your life to Christ? Not just saying I'm a Christian because it sounds Christian but to be Christ-like. Each and every person is significant in God's eyes. Even the small details of our lives are known and valued by God. We can't have confidence that God loves us even in the midst of our difficulties and our challenges. For in Christ, we live, we move, and we have our being. Our significance ultimately comes from our relationship with God. We were created by him for him. And our fulfillment comes from his living love and grace through Jesus Christ. Our significance doesn't come from our achievement or our talents, but it comes from God. We can find our true significance in surrendering to his plan and trusting in his love for us. Not looking for prominence, not looking for gifts, but looking to be whole. Not walking around thirsty, looking to be something else. God made you. And that was the word today. God fearfully and wonderfully made you. You don't have to add extra. You don't have to put the sauce on yourself. Revelations 22 and 17 says this. And the spirit and the bride says, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Do you want to drink from this well? Do you want to live knowing that God sees you, not man seeing you? 
not walking around wanting to be happy all the time or be significant. God wants to enter into your vessel, but first you got to pour out what's in it. God's waiting on you. Come. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. Listen, if you're one of those people that has been dry and thirsty, you've been drinking from the wrong well, today's your day. You say, man, I'm tired of, of trying to people please. I'm tired of being this or that. I just want to be who God created me to be. I want to walk around feeling fearfully and wonderfully made. If that's you today and you say this today, I want to make that declaration. I just want you to come to the altar. Our prayer team will meet you here. My second petition is this. If there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, or maybe you're out of relationship with him, maybe you've just been living according to the world standards, but now you say, man, I want to go back to my Lord. If that's you today, we want to pray with you. I want you to come to the altar. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for reconciliation. We thank you, Lord, for godliness with contentment is great gain. So we thank you for that. We thank you at this time and this moment and this time, Lord, that we are opening up our hearts to you, that we are pouring out anything that's in us that's not like you. We want to be whole. We want to be right. Creating us a clean heart. Renewing us a right spirit. So we thank you for that right now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we bind up every generational curse, every spell, every incantation, we bind it up in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom. Anxiety, you have to go. Fear, you have to go. Worthlessness, you have to go. Jesus, come. Come now. Amen.